Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Host Plus has been named Super Rating Super Fund of the Year for 2023. That's a plus. Issued by Host Plus Proprietary Limited. To check the PDS and TMD at hostplus.com.au. This is Mornings with Ben Davis on SENQ. Ah, g'day. Thanks for swallowing the pickle juice with me this Wednesday morning. Who is under the most pressure heading into the weekend? 13, 13, 55, 0467, 736, 736. They're the digits you need. It's the first week of finals. They can make or break your season. A win and you take the easy path. A loss and you have to do it the hard way. Or, or you're out entirely. So... Who's feeling the most pressure? Which team? Which player? Which coach? Which official? Is it the Broncos against their bogey star aside, the Melbourne Storm? I don't play 27 games a year and get flogged at Red Hill just to rock up and um, you know play one finals game. Melbourne are the same. Every club's the same. You want to be in it to win the big games, and um, what better way to do it than 50,000 Bronx fans on, on Friday night. So, you know, as a footy player, as any athlete, this is where you want to be. It's all on the line, and... Um, yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, Pat Carrigan, he, he's excited. Does it feel like they are under pressure, the Broncos? No, it doesn't feel like it, but they are against a side that they have not beaten in, well, these boys haven't beaten them, have they? Is it the Lions who are in the best shape they've been in for two decades to win a title? I think this is our best our best opportunity, without doubt. And look, we won 17 games this year, which is the... The best we've ever done, so, you know, the ladder doesn't lie. Chris Fagan, the ladder doesn't lie, and he's talking up their chances. That's something we normally don't hear from the coach. Isn't it always playing it down? No, but he's empowering his team. He's putting the pressure back on them, isn't he? 13 13 736 Who is under the most pressure this weekend? What about the Melbourne Storm and the pressure of expectation to keep that hoodoo rolling? They, I mean, course, they're expected to win. They, they're expected to do what they've done at Suncorp since 2009. Of course, I'm sure they know all about the the, the history or um, how many games we haven't lost at Suncorp, but at the end of the day, um, yeah, it's only a record. If the, all records are meant to be broken, so um, we just got to go out there and play our style of footy and can't really focus too much on what the records all say in the history books, but... Um, we go out there and play the style of footy we know we can play. Um, we can always have a really good night for ourselves, but if we don't play the footy that we know we can, um, it's going to be a big night for us. So we just got to see how we go. And, um, yeah, hopefully you've been training really well this week and, and put it all together on Friday. Yeah, there we go. Cameron Munster, he's playing it down. He's playing down the record. That's what we're used to hearing, isn't it? So does that mean they're feeling the pressure? The Melbourne Storm. Who is under the most pressure in your mind this weekend? 13 13 55 0467 736 736. If it's not the Melbourne Storm, if it's not the Lions, if it's not the Broncos, who is it? Or what is it?
Is it the, the referees, the umpires, the, the bunker, the arc? Keys opens it up, bangs it a goal. He's got it. One for the ages. No, it's touched the post. They're celebrating. They don't know. They don't know yet. Uh, they don't know and they got it wrong, didn't they? Benny Keys, a very good morning to you down Adelaide. I know you're listening via the app, mate. Uh, sad to bring that back up again, but it is part of the pressure act of well, finals footy or getting into the finals. 13-13-55-0467-736-736. What, what about the Wallabies? Eddie Jones. The World Cup starts this weekend for them. Is there any pressure or is there no pressure at all because no one gives them a chance? There's no expectation for the Wallabies. Is there? As I said to Patton Heels a couple of minutes ago, maybe David Warner. Is there pressure on him to perform in the one day as starting on Thursday in South Africa? We've got a Cricket World Cup to come into. He's part of that white ball and he wants to continue playing white ball cricket. Is there pressure on him to perform? Especially after how the T20 team has gone. 13-13-55-0467-736-736. There are prizes up for grabs today for the caller of the day. It's something I'm going to be putting to Mal Meninga in an hour's time. Uh, Who is under the most pressure in the NRL? And what about him as Australian coach? The pressure of picking a team. We've heard all year that Mal likes to pick and stick, but surely there's got to be people putting their hand up in contention. I mean, Newcastle coming from the clouds. Does someone like the Saifidi boys come into calculation for Australia? Bradman best. You could chuck him in on anywhere, couldn't you? He's just a footballer. Uh, anyway, Malmeninger after 10. Lions Premiership winner Jamie Charman. He's going to swing by after half past 10. Jeez, it's going to be a packed morning, is it? It's been a week since the Lions 20-year reunion of the 2003 three-peat team, so he should have recovered by now, I would have thought. He's got some great stories to tell from 2003. And what about the class of 2023? Any similarities that Prince Charman has seen? Actually, I, I want to ask him about Lee Matthews and speeches. Was Lee a sprayer or was he a sayer? We keep hearing about this legendary speech at three-quarter time in the prelim final against the Swans in 2003. The, the Lions were getting pumped what did Lee Matthews actually say? And was it the turning point for their season? Actually, I wonder if it was like any given Sunday, one of those speeches, the Al Pacino style. There's been some good sprays. There's been some good speeches, hasn't there? 13, 13, 55, 0467736736. Uh, there's 11 a.m. mayhem. You call, you get on. We'll be doing that after 11. Uh, we'll keep you across the US Open, NRLW, Greyhounds. Look, if it's happening in Sporting Queensland... We have got it covered, but the show is nothing without you. The digits you need to be part of Queensland Sports' biggest conversation, 13 13 55, to get involved. And now, time for Ben's Snap Judgment. All right, the pressure texts uh, coming in, the phone calls as well. I'll get to them very shortly. But a question I want to put to you to, to think about it, not to put you under pressure, but... Should it be up to the government to fund sport in Australia? And when I say government, I mean you. Your taxes, 
Should they go to fund sport in this country, grassroots sport, and we can hone it into this state, this city? The reason I ask is over the last seven days, there's been two reports that have dropped that have me worried, and they should have you worried too. Yesterday, Hayden Johnson reported in the Courier-Mail that the Palaszczuk government has been accused of savagely and secretly cutting over a million dollars in grassroots sports funding, less than, what, a decade out from the 2032 Olympic and Paralympic Games. Little Athletics Queensland, Gymnastics Queensland, 45 different organisations around the state have seen their funding cut. Is that your experience? Is that your sporting club, your, your kids, your grandkids, the sports that they play? Have you felt the effects of this? Has there been an increase in registration? Has there been lack of equipment? Has there been an increase in coaching fees? 13 13 55 736 well, What's been your experience? Has, has this touched you yet? And if it hasn't touched you directly there, it, it may have a knock-on effect. It's all to do with rebranding, the reshuffling of what they call, the state government calls the Active Industry Fund. And that's the program that provides cash to sporting organisations. It's been replaced with the Active Industry Base Fund. Oh, God, it feels like a... It feels like an episode of Utopia, doesn't it? The rebranding of some sort of state government funding thing. How much would that have cost, the actual rebranding of it? Anyway, but again, should it be up to the government, you, your taxes, to fund a sport in this state, in this country? I mean, the government has to fund hospitals, education, schools. They have to build bridges, roads, housing. So should they have to foot the bill for sport, for grassroots sport. 131355-0467-736-736. The second report, which dropped a week ago, it was from the Australian Sports Foundation. 43% or two out of five elite athletes in this country, so let's call it nearly half, are suffering financial and mental health strain. So financial strain and mental health strain. I'd think the two would be linked going hand in hand. And this is less than a year from the Paris Olympics. Now, obviously, I'm not talking about professional sports, NRL, AFL, uh, rugby, cricket. I'm talking elite athletes who do everything they can to represent this country in different sports, not professionals, but different sports, Olympic sports, let's call it. Almost half these athletes over the age of 18 are earning incomes from all sources of less than $23,000 a year. $23,000 a year. What's the tax-free threshold? That's 18, isn't it? So they basically pay to, I mean, that puts it in perspective, doesn't it? The government allows you to earn 18 grand tax-free before you have to do anything. That's not even low income. That's under the tax free. 23 grand a year. That puts them below the poverty line. More than 23, sorry, more than 2,300 athletes, 2,300 athletes from 60 sports were surveyed by the Australian Sports Foundation. Almost half had considered quitting. Half. So think of the next generations of your, your, your Kate Campbells, your Cedric Dubler's, your you Nina Kennedy's. You, insert athlete, insert sport here. 
have considered quitting because of financial strain and mental strain. So again, I ask you, should the government be picking up the bill for this? Should they be funding the shortfalls? And again, when I say government, I'm saying you, your taxes. Is it their responsibility? And if it isn't, who should it be? 13 13 55 0467 736 736. I want you to have a think about this because you have skin in the game. Not only are your taxes, my taxes, are on the table here, but the knock-on effects are huge. Having a healthy, active society, it's the benefits are, are, are mind-numbingly extensive. I mean, if you're active and you're healthy, it takes the strain off the health system, doesn't it? You don't have to use the doctors and the hospitals as much. Staging events, carnivals, um, be it touch footy, be it state championships, be it junior titles, whatever it may be, this creates economic stimulation. The accommodation, the tourism, the, the transport, the, the spending at the, the cafes, the restaurants, the, the nearby businesses, this is all good. So having an active funding model for state governments and federal governments in sport would be a good thing, right? It benefits society. So there is an argument for government to fund sports. But where do you stop? I mean, do you fund pro sports or semi-professional? What about those sports that are self-funded? And then what about infrastructure? Do you pay for the stadiums that they play in? I mean, there's the sporting fields, sure. Have a look around. Downey Parks, uh, the hockey fields out of Combsley wherever it may be, then where do you stop? $2.7 billion for the Gabba. Cameron Atfield reports today in the Brisbane Times that makes it the third most expensive piece of sporting real estate on the planet. When the Gabba is built, $2.7 billion. There's only two other stadia on the planet that cost more. Should that be up to the government? Should it be up to George Street or Canberra to be funding? Or even City Hall? 13-13-55-0467-736-736. In about 15 minutes' time, I'll be talking to someone who's trying to help these elite athletes in in this country, someone who's trying to bridge the gap between athletes being able to thrive and just being able to survive. Now, I think the governments do have a part to play, and I say governments plural, all three levels, local, state and federal, City Hall, George Street, Canberra. It's to help society grow and help society grow healthily. They can pull some economic triggers, create jobs, tourism, business opportunities, all of that. But do they have to do it alone? Here's an idea, and it's not new. I wish it was. I wish I could claim it, but I can't. And I look to our old enemy, the POMs, because they do it right, in my opinion. A national lottery to help fund sport in Australia. (gasps) What? Yeah, you play Powerball, right? You you buy scratchies, gold lotto. Would you object to a new lotto, a new lottery to help fund sport? As I said, it's nothing new. Team GB ahead of the London Olympics in 2012. They were funded by a national lottery and they slayed it. In fact, they're still slaying it. They're still doing it. Uh, the most recent figures I could find, I probably should have done a deeper dive, but in 2013 to 2017, so a four-year period last decade, the National Lottery in the UK donated £337 million, £337 million pounds 
So put it in our money. That's the best part of a billion dollars over four years to elite sport in the UK. Since this natural national lottery in the UK started, Olympic and Paralympic athletes have benefited. British athletes have won a total of 863 Olympic and Paralympic medals since this model started. 800. It's a no-brainer, isn't it? Especially when we have elite athletes living below the poverty line. What the hell? How do the Poms get it so right and yet sport is in our DNA? I mean, they've even got medalists in swimming now. Do they have pools outside in England? I know that's being facetious, but you see where I'm coming from, right? For those old enough to remember, and I'm not, I did some digging. And I found out that one of our natural, well, man-made wonders, (laughs) we like to think it's natural, but man-made wonders in this country was actually funded by the lottery. In 1957, for those who care or dare to remember, the Golden Casket, as we know it now, helped finance building the Sydney Opera House. They created an Opera House lottery. Tickets were $5, or sorry, £5, $10 in our terms, and the prize was £100,000, $200,000. £5 tickets, and it helped finance the building of the Sydney Opera House. Oh, my God. I didn't know that. I'm from Queensland. Apparently, those from New South Wales know all about it. But anyway, could that happen now? Not to build an opera house. But you'd buy a ticket, wouldn't you? You'd play the lotto. Would you object to money going towards funding sport on a grander scale, on a bigger scale in this country? Maybe build a stadium. 13, 13, 55, 0467, 736, 736. Look, otherwise, maybe the next Cam Munster, the next Reese Walsh, Lockie Neal, Charlie Cameron, that they may not get a chance. But again, I come back to you. Should governments be funding this? Or is there a better way? 21 minutes past nine. Wednesday morning, we are off and running. I'm going to hand it over to you here on SENQ, 693am, 16.20 on the Gold Coast. And for those listening all over this planet on the SEN app, 131355-0467-736-736. Host Plus has been named Super Rating Super Fund of the Year for 2023. That's a plus. Issued by Host Plus Proprietary Limited. Check the PDS and TMD at hostplus.com.au. This is Mornings with Ben Davis on SENQ. Yes, should your money, your taxes be put towards funding sports in this state, in this country? I feel there is an argument for it, but should they go it alone, the government's? I like the idea of a lottery. Uh, We'll be speaking to someone in the next 10 minutes who is trying to bridge that gap, as I said, between athletes thriving and just surviving. Uh, It's an outstanding job that uh, Rachel and the Waddle Nest do. We'll be chatting to her very, very shortly. Uh, Let's get to some of your feedback, though. Um, Adam has said, Ben, there needs to be some sort of funding from the government. Fitness and health is definitely something that needs helping with. Adam, you're right. And we're not talking about those who want to go on to play elite level sport. We're talking grassroots sport. We're talking 
actually, I heard Luke Hodge talking to Patton Heels, the over 35 basketball out at Corinne. Now, I know that that is something that is funded by yourself in doing that, but there is a lot of subsidies coming government-wise. The upkeep of uh, facilities, get government grants there. The fact that competitions and officials can be put on. I know that's where your registration goes, but it doesn't go all the way, does it? 13, 13, 55, 0467, 736, 736. All um, oh, the plenty of coming through under pressure as well. Uh, let me see. Stu has said, Ben, both Brisbane teams will win. It is our year. No pressure at all. <laughs> Stu, hopefully that's not a kiss of death. Uh, Jared has said, Fitzgibbon must be under pressure from Cronulla. They sacked John Morris after he consistently made the finals but I don't think there's any real improvement under Fitzgibbon. Oh, well, they're in the finals. The Sharks, they're up and firing. They're still fighting this weekend, but there we go. Um, we think that Fitzy could be under some pressure. Callum from Callum from Callumvale. Callum, morning team. Honestly, Benny, um, because of how close this year's been, I'm not sure any NRL team will be feeling the pressure as much as previous years. Could make for a hell of a final series. Well, it will make for a hell of a final series. Those who missed out, those who will be playing this weekend, who's under more pressure? A, a player, a coach, a team. 13, 13, 55, 0467, 736, Speaking of this weekend, you can catch the finals matchup, the Broncos and the Storm. It is live, SCNQ, 6.93 a.m. from 6 o'clock this Friday. And our own call team too, Drury Forbes, Scotty Sattler, Matt Rogers calling all the action of that first final. It is the biggest final in NRL this weekend. Uh, oh, look at this. Geez, time's getting away when we're having fun. 29 minutes past nine. We are going to get a news hit from Vanessa, then back to take more of your calls and talk funding in sport. Host Plus has been named Super Rating Super Fund of the Year for 2023. That's a plus. Issued by Host Plus Proprietary Limited. Check the PDS and TMD at hostplus.com.au. This is Mornings with Ben Davis on SENQ. Monday, Monday, Monday. Not funny at all when it comes to our elite athletes. The report out in the last week that many are struggling. In fact, almost half have decided that they would be better off quitting the sport because of the financial strain they are under. $23,000 a year or under. That's living below the poverty line. That That's two in five athletes in this country. And we're talking the elite level too. So... What's the numbers? Over 46% over the age of 18 are earning incomes from all sources of less than $23,000 a year. That $23,000 a year, that doesn't cover rent these days, does it? Car repayments, food, well, now you're gone let alone having to try and thrive in a sport, let alone survive in life. Mick from Northlakes on the text line, he said, the big four bank- banks could easily fund it. Take the Commonwealth. Correct me if I'm wrong, $10 billion profit wouldn't even make a dent. Mick, thank you. And that leads me into my first guest for today. She's someone who has, well, she's a friend of the show. She has been with us before, very early days. I'm talking none other than Rachel Condos Fields, who's the co-founder of The Wattle Nest. Rachel, very good morning. The, the Wattle Nest. Talk us through what you do and how this is helping athletes at the coalface. 
Yeah, good morning, Ben, and an absolute pleasure to be here. And um, thank you to our friends at SEND for shining the light on some home trees, and you've given us such a great platform to do so. So um, long, long story short, over my career, I was hearing far too many stories of financial hardship and um, stories of adversity that our athletes were coming over that just didn't resonate with the Australian public. Most Australians thought that all of our elite athletes representing Australia on the international stage were being remunerated to do so and understood that their training and sacrifices came at, came with a reward, which is far from the truth. And it's um, really, really quite wonderful now that Australian Sports Foundation have released those findings. And you mentioned earlier over 40% of our elite athletes are living below the poverty line. And that's a statistic that's just simply quite quite frankly, unacceptable. So the Waddleness was born to to make a change, um, challenge the status quo and come up with a disruptive funding model so that we can leave a lasting legacy, um, increase the participation in sport and give our athletes the support they need after bringing so much pride to our nation. Right. This is nothing new then to you, the, these numbers. For, for many Australians, it made them sit, uh, sit up and take notice. But you've been noticing this for, for, for years. For years and thought it's time to act, time to do something about it. How does the Waddle Nest work? How does it help athletes? Yeah, so the, the Waddle Nest is designed to connect business with sport and rather than just relying on the government and putting out our hands for funding and grants, we're calling on corporate businesses across Australia to use some of their net profits to make a difference. We know that sport has a social impact on society, so it um, plays really nicely to the ESG policies that most corporations across Australia have in place as well. Already in the last six months, through support of businesses, the Waddleness has directly distributed over $100,000 to athletes. So we've still got a long way to go, but I'm really, really proud of the progress we've made, and I thank Corporate Australia for listening and acting. All right. They, they get something back, though. It's just not uh, a donation, is it, as far as uh, corporates, business, and the business world? They, they get something back. They do. It's a real sense of belonging. So when you're part of the Waddleness community, you belong to something. We um, host several networking events. In fact, every eight weeks, we're doing a roundtable that brings the corporate partners and athletes together. And we had one in Brisbane just last week, which was really, really well received. They also get the sense of feeling like they're part of an athlete's journey. The athlete, I'll use Horizon as an example. We've taken six of our elite athletes to regional areas where Horizon have corporate offices to do employee engagement and share those stories. And it's been really, really rewarding. So the employer, the organisation will get as much out of it as the athlete, if not more. And that's what I love about the Waddle Nest. We all know that the lessons learned in the the locker room, the dressing room, lessons learned in sport can be translated into the boardroom, in, into the business world. And it could be anything from, from discipline to hard work to resilience to not winning every day, but knowing how to win, how to, it, it, there's so many lessons to be learned. So, so, so the, funny, Ben, they make great employees. Um, I've hired athletes in the past and it's funny when you do a performance review and you say, oh, you're doing a really good job. Their first thing they'll say is, well, how do I be great? How do I do better? They're always looking wow. at self-improving and, and there's a real sense of reliability, results driven and determination. Okay. Just on that. And, and I want to give those listening now an idea. You just said about they make great employees, but they're not a, Athletes can't be normal nine to five employees because they train nine to five. Many of them are 40 hours a week or more. Yes, you're so right. So um, in the Waddleness community, we have over 120 athletes representing over 30 different sports. And it's fair to say on average, those athletes are training 36 hours a week, but they're also juggling part-time or full-time employment and study with that You'll notice the typical day for some of these athletes is a good four hours training before the workday starts, go to work, and then they'll be training till 10 p.m. that night, 
go home, might do a bit of um, study. It's also very different to professional sport in terms of these elite athletes have to then come home, cook for themselves and look after their nutrition and schedule in time for recovery and um, ice baths and things like that as well. So I think for many corporates, the idea of hiring an Olympian or Paralympian sounds really quite enticing, but they don't truly understand the flexibility required in order to do so. Um, with competition schedules and, and travel, it makes it hard for a lot of these athletes to maintain their employment. They might go off on a four-week campaign and come back and someone else has taken their shift. So it's really mm. tough. You are listening to Rachel Condosfield. She's the co-founder of The Waddle Nest. It's, well, it, it's been created to solve a problem that has been in our society, well, you can always say forever, forever and a day. It is only the select few and those in elite professional sport that get remunerated and remunerated well for doing what they do, for for being role models to us, for, for giving us the entertainment uh, and in the cases of the Waddle Nest, it could be every four years when the Olympics roll round. And the reason why I had Rachel and have Rachel on the program today is I, I can throw numbers at you. I, I can throw stats at you. Like uh, 43% of elite athletes living below the poverty line, $23,000 a year. But I just knew, really wanted to paint the picture of, of what that looks like for athletes that walk past us in the street, that you may work with, that you may see on your daily your your daily goings on that they are trying their best to bring green and gold glory to this country and of course in the lead up to Brisbane 2032 what that looks like are you making inroads Rachel I mean, it, it sounds like you are but a hundred thousand dollars which is brilliant it's a hundred thousand dollars that wasn't in the system before but we're hearing athletes are earning only 23 grand a year it it's amazing. Yeah. You give an athlete $10,000 and they literally burst into tears. And even some of the athletes that have only been beneficiaries of a $500 payment, it's been transformative for them. So every little bit does count. I'll tell you a story if you don't mind. Please. There's a local world champion who's a Brisbane girl. Her name's Karina Haggerty. Most Australians would never have heard of her, but she is a world champion at mini trampolining, the mini double trampolining. She is on her Olympic campaign to get to Paris and at the moment going through the qualification process. Her mother has spent $80,000 in 24 months in order for her to get the ranking points and the travel and the competition in order for her to be eligible to qualify. And in return, she has only received $750 in her career as a gymnast. And that was the prize money she got for being the world champion. So just some stories and some real truth around the matter. That that, that makes your head spin, doesn't it? When you when you so mum and dad, the bank of mum and dad, uh, or maybe mum, I, I don't know her circumstances. Forty grand a year uh, for for many. That's a that's a wage. That's a that's a that, that's that's a salary. Forty grand a year. That's what they've outlaid. Just allow her to chase her dreams, to be the best in the world. Fantastic, but the return on investment is not there yet. It could be, and that's what you're looking for with the Waddle Nest, isn't it? To get that ROI. Oh, absolutely. They're doing it for the glory. They're not doing it for the fame, and they're not doing no. it for the recognition. They're not doing it for the funding. But I think it's absolutely un-Australian. Un they need to live. They but... do un-Australian for people to be bringing so much pride to our nation, to be living below the poverty line, um, and just having to pay for simple things like their own uniform, coaching. It's just unacceptable. 13, 13, 55, 0467, 736, 736. The question I'm asking today is, should government, you, your taxes, be funding sport in this country, in this state, in this city? Uh, Rachel, it's a question I'm going to 
put to you because I know you're going into tapping into the corporate area, which is fantastic. And as Mick from Northlake said, the big four banks, Commonwealth, surely they could stump up and help out. Should government should governments be footing the bill? Yeah, I don't want to be controversial, but government are part of the problem, but also part of the solution. And I think it's hard when everyone in Australia has got their hand out for different reasons. So I don't think it's solely on the government to solve. I think it's time for corporate Australian and Australians to invest. But I want to throw out an, a concept and an idea that I'd love to see get off the ground. Here we go. Okay. If you look at professional sport, we know that um, that it's not uncommon for a professional footballer to receive a minimum salary of $250,000. So I'm putting it out to every professional sport club out there. If you've got someone on your books earning more than $250,000 a year playing sport, give us $1,000 of that. And that alone is going to make a huge difference to our, a difference to our athletes chasing their Olympic dreams. Just $1,000 from every professional playing AFL, NRL, whatever the case may be. If their salary's over $250,000, let's make their salary $1,000 less and pop it into the waddle nest. It's not a bad idea. I'm just trying to do some quick sums on the back of a, well, I'd say a coaster or a napkin, but it's it, it's 30 players in an NRL team, not all of them on 250,000. Say there's 20 players. So there's 20 grand per, per team, uh, rough figures. Times Every up. team could technically adopt an athlete. That'd be fantastic, wouldn't they? And and, and when you say adopt, I mean, you, you don't want money for nothing. They can come in. They can come. They can be your number one ticket holder, get in the change room, share their stories, talk about... Digging deep, overcoming adversity. Athlete development. I need help to make it happen, though, Benny. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, NRL times that by 17. AFL, and that's just the two major footy yeah. codes. Um, cricket, cricket, football, basketball. Um, where do we – yeah, uh, there's $1,000 over we, 250. I yeah, like this, Rachel. I like this. That's part of the solution. And then if you think of all of the corporates out there paying $1.8 million to slap their logo on front of an AFL team, give us $1,000 of that you'll start seeing all of these small little sacrifices or changes to the disruption. We're not taking away from professional sport, but we're using professional sport and the profile of it to help us promote and advance our elite athletes. It's not a bad shout, is it? 13 13 55 0467 736 736. Um, while, we, while we were in the NAB break, we were talking about the idea of what the UK are doing with the national lottery. You, you look at that and you go, that that's... A, a no-brainer as well, and what and the success that they've had overseas. Oh, absolutely! You can just see it in the, in terms of their medal count and overall performance. The thing that blows me away: we talk about Karina Haggerty, the world record holder, world champion, and she's done it without any funding, and she's up on the podium against athletes that are fully funded. Imagine what Australia could do if our athletes had that financial support and could focus on just being the best that they can be. Our medal count in Tokyo, um, in Brisbane for our home games is going to go through the roof if we start investing now and investing properly. And that's the thing. There's no point investing in 2028 or 2029. I mean, it, 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 it's, it's got to be yesterday, oh, really, doesn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely, Ben. And also the fact is when, when our athletes and our youth are getting to that 17 years old, Mark, we're losing 70% of talent because they are umming and ahhing as to whether they should keep going down a path of sport where there is absolutely no guarantee that they will represent Australia in Olympic or Paralympic Games or get that gold medal. They start feeling guilty about, oh, mum and dad have put so much money into my career, but I might not be able to ever make them as proud as I'd hope to. And they make that decision. We lose 70% of our talent um, after high school where they decide to take a paying role or uh, put their efforts into study. Well, it's... <laughs> I mean, you say decide to, 
Yes, it is. Well, I mean, it's a choice. It, it's called it's called living. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you, you, yeah. You've got to you've got to pay for. It. If you don't have a car, you've got to be able to train somewhere that's near public transport. You've got to live. If you're living with mum and dad, still that's one bit of it. You still got to pay board, rent, buy food, buy clothes, pay coaches, pay everything. Um, we had Cedric Dubler in here before he went to uh, the, the the Worlds, and he was talking about the excess baggage he has to pay for his, for his poles and the pole. I mean, it's just mind blowing stuff. Out of the Australian Sports Commission report, the four top findings: the headliners, elite athletes are in financial distress, mental health is declining, and there is a greater support in demand for that. Australia risks an exodus of elite athletes and the green and gold runway runway needs investment in athletes. And it's exactly what the Waddle Nest and Rachel Condos Fields is doing. Rachel, hats off to you for you've highlighted, you've seen this prop, you've seen it coming a, a long way back. You formed the Waddle Nest, you're up and running, you're making a difference, but there needs to be more of a difference. You're tapping into corporate Australia. Where else does the funding need to come from? I'm going to put it over to you. 13 13 55 0467 736 736. If people want to get involved with the Waddle Nest, if those listening now are a business that think, you know, I could use the expertise of an elite athlete and what they could bring their skill set, that unique skill set to my business, I could help out. How do they do it? Come to the website, www.waddlenest.com.au. My mobile phone number's on there. I'm not a very private person. <laughs> Send us an email. We would be delighted to have your support. Outstanding. Waddlenest, it's so Australian too. I love it. It's got the gold in the green and gold too. It does. It does. Love it. Rachel, thank you for making the effort of not only coming in, but thank you for making the effort because come 23, well, come Paris next year, there will be athletes that you've helped get there and we'll be celebrating them. We'll be cheering them on. We'll be shouting loud and proud. So thank you. Thank you so very much. Thank you very much, Ben. 9.53, Wednesday morning, off and running. You know the digits, 13, 13, 55 to be part of Queensland Sports' biggest conversation. Host Plus has been named Super Rating Super Fund of the Year for 2023. That's a plus. Issued by Host Plus Proprietary Limited. Check the PDS and TMD at hostplus.com.au. This is Mornings with Ben Davis on SENQ. It is definitely not money for nothing. Should governments be funding sport in this country? And I say governments plural. Canberra, George Street, City Hall, 13 13 55 0467 736 736. That is our big talking point this morning, along with who is under the most pressure when it comes to this weekend. First week of finals. And today, in my opinion, the Wednesday before the first week of finals is probably the most pressure point day. Two days out, or even a day out in the AFL world, of that first final. It's where athletes' minds will start ticking over. Things start to get really serious. This day, this week of this month, today is the pressure day. It's where the mind starts ticking over. So who is under the most pressure? Which coach, which athlete, which team, which official? 
13 13 55 0467 736 736. Uh, coming up this half hour, Jamie Charman, the Brisbane Lions Premiership Ruckman from 2003. They had their 23, re- 23 their 20 year reunion a week ago. So safe to say he's recovered enough to tell us a few stories out of that, but also to get his eye and his thoughts on the team of 2023. Because as we've heard from Chris Fagan already this week, they believe they are in the sweet spot that they believe this is their time. I think this is our best our best opportunity, without doubt. And look, we won 17 games this year, which is the, the best we've ever done. So, you know, the ladder doesn't lie. Ladder doesn't lie. The coach thinks this is their year. Is that putting pressure on the team? 13 13 55 0467 736 Ah, yes, all thanks to Chemist Warehouse. We chat to Mal Meninga every single Wednesday. Head into Chemist Warehouse for great savings every day, though. Mal, good morning. Uh, As a coach, do you like what you hear from Chris Fagan? He's talking up his team. He's talking up the, well, the expectation. Does that bring an expectation of pressure, though? Oh, hello, Mal. Um, It's dependent on what they're saying you there, mate. Yeah, got Hello. you. I've got you now. There we go. <laughs> Hello. The pressure of technology making it work. <laughs> Hello. Hey, Mal, we've got you. We can hear you loud and clear. Oh, God, what's going on? I don't know. Oh. No, I got your question. I got your question, Ben. Yeah, no, I got your question. Uh, it all depends on on the, the attitude and the conversations that's happening internally, you know. So, I mean, obviously, Chris has put up put a, um, a high mark, a standard that they've set themselves, a goal they've set themselves, and they're working towards that. So um, sometimes it's okay to, to um, announce that publicly, and it's dependent on, obviously, the players understand um, that's their mark, and they're, they're waiting, ready to, to achieve it. All right. In the NRL world, mate, who is under the most pressure this week, in your mind? Well, the bottom four. There's no doubt. There's bottom four, and then I'm... Had a good think about this, Ben. I'm, I reckon the home teams, you know. So, uh, bottom four, it's uh, elimination finals. Um, the, bot, the the home teams obviously will go into those games favourite. Then you look inside the teams, and I think you know the obviously the coach and their preparation um, up to the game is extremely important. And then the key guys within that team are really important. With the Sharks, it'd be obviously Nico Hines. Um, he's out to prove himself after. They went out the back door straight away last year. And then I think there'd be a lot of a lot of question marks and a lot of obvious um, attention on Kalen Ponga and how he comes through off the back of his obviously his, his, his uh, shoulder injury and how he plays. I think it's going to be a really important um, moment on how they control that pain in his shoulder um, throughout the game. Yeah, no pressure on the Newcastle doctor to get it right either. Then with that, <laughs> yeah, well, that's a, well, we can, so we can talk about that. that's that's very important, isn't it? You know, so um, I, I remember, you know, when I was um, you know, I was playing, and you know, you you probably needed injections at this time of year anyway, just to get you through games. I had a I had a kneecap injury, I wore a cracked kneecap, and um, what what happened through the week? They they injected it just to make sure that there was it was painless. You know, when I actually trained. Um, and I got through that can. I was, you know, obviously, 
after the aftermath was terrible, and then the pain through the next few days was 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 atrocious. But then, I, but I also knew mentally that you know, the injection would work. So I, well, I would imagine that Carl would be going through that, that a similar process. All right, Mel. Well, it's because I reckon you've named about four different types of pressure there, which is again, you know, no, no, no. But but it, it's the pressure on the individual if you're carrying an injury. It's a it's a pressure on an individual who wants to perform better than they did last year. It's the pressure of expectation on the home teams or the minor premiers uh, and those who are favourites. So let, let's go back and continue on that Kalen Ponga line or a player playing with injury, knowing that that at any time th- this could give out? What is that type of pressure on the individual? Well, it's um, how games, you know, played by, you know, tough people who um, don't mind playing under an injury crowd. I, cloud. I think, you know, game one of the year is probably the only time you go into a game of rugby league where you're not carrying a, some sort of injury, whether it be minor or, or some injury that you've probably got to carry for a number of weeks. So it just becomes a, it becomes a psychological strength, you know, mental strength around the around the player themselves and how they manage through the week. Of course, you know how they um, train and prepare. And I remember Terry Lamb. Um, there's a, obviously a really good story around him in '95 where he couldn't train at all. He just he went for a run uh, the night before a game that sort of got him mentally prepared for it all, and he went and played. You know, he just got an injection. He, and way he went again, you know. So it's that type of individual pressure that tests your fortitude, your mental strength. I think it's more than anything else, you know. So um, that's why I mentioned my story is that yeah. you know, I had a injection through the week to get myself mentally prepared to and understand that with an injection I was fine to play, you know. So those sort of things come into play. Um, players play with injuries every week. Um, the, obviously, Kalen's injury is, is not a, a minor one. It's a major one. And yeah, he plays fullback and he'll be put under a lot of pressure um, by the, the, the Raiders kicking game, obviously, and by their defence, they'll rough him up a fair bit. So all those sort of things come into you know, into your thinking as a player. Um, but you've got to prepare yourself to be, accept that because that's what's going to happen. And you just get on with the game. And he's such an important cog in the Newcastle's wheel that you know he can't, he can't let on that he's hurt. He can't let on no. that he's struggling, you know. So uh, he's their captain as well. So he's out there you know, leading the troops. So he's got to lead by example as well. So, yeah, it's a, it's a, tough, it's a tough game. Um, but, you know, played by, you know, tough people who, you know, understand that it's part, of the, it's part and parcel of the game. All right, so you're the Raiders, uh, you're Ricky Stewart, you're just directing every single kick to go to the fullback. Don't worry about kicking for the corners, don't worry about kicking to the wingers, just be kicking it to Carl and Ponger and put him under as much pressure and, and run as much traffic as him at him as possible. Well, that's what I'd be doing. I mean, I'd, I'd be kicking to to Greg Marzu as well, you know, I'm, and I haven't talked to, to Ricky this week because Greg's a bit, a, a bit iffy under pressure, you know, the high ball and stuff, so I'd be kicking, but I'd be, I'd be sort of, Working that side with our kicking game, uh, but certainly our, our kick chase, you know, pressure would be, you know, really concerted on when Kalen's got the football and if it, if one of the wingers take the first ruck, it's generally the the fullback and Kalen doesn't mind getting involved from a, a running point of view, you know, in yardage sets as we call it. Um, so yeah, I'll be I'll be trying to get into him as as much as we possibly can. 
1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-
um, beaten, and probably beaten by a better team on the day if that happens. Mel, let me spin it around as far as the Broncos storm are concerned, because I want to get into the game. That, that, that to me, is the biggest final of, of the weekend on, on Friday night to, for so many reasons, so many factors, just the fact that they're two powerhouse clubs. But the Melbourne Storm, that the fact that they've got – well, I mean, they're expected to win, right? They've got the wood on them. They've got the hoodoo. They've got the – whatever you want to call it, the bogey side. But – um, you were a bogey side when you were playing for Canberra for um, well for a host of teams, uh, the Dragons being one of them. W- was there that pressure to actually live up to that expectation to get the job done? Did that ever and would that ever enter into Melbourne's mind or your mind when you were playing? No, not really. No, not really. It's just the way it all, <laughs> just cash way it all panned out. <laughs> well, you just cash in. Yeah, you just... You just... It's it's funny how it all works. It's it's nothing to do with you as a, as a as a team going to play you know against you know, a team that you've got the wood on. Right. Um, it's never you never really think about that. It's it's the opposition team that has to get all the the bugs out of their system. You know, so like I said before, it's it, it is it is a psychological thing because if you start believing whatever everyone's been saying, you start believing what history tells you. Uh, all of a sudden, you get this defeatist attitude towards things and um, when things start going awry in a game well then you start oh here we go again oh god they got the wood on us so it's all this negative negative uh, feelings and you get that negativity from the way you think you know through the week and your preparation so and you know I think the Broncos you know they they didn't have any of their hardly well they didn't have most of their good players last week I just feel that um, the players come back into the side um with a carefree type of way of playing, the Reese Walshers in particular, the Stags and the Farnsworths, you know, the Cobos. Yeah. I just think, you know, Ezra Mams, you know, so I just think that that won't worry him too much, you know. So uh, I think it'd be one hell of a game because I don't think they'll even worry about the bogey. Melbourne certainly won't. They'll be well prepared under Craig Bellamy, who've done it, who's done it so many times. So, and, you know, their team will be, you know, they'll come here, raring to go and just to prove a point, you know, around that they deserve to be in the top four. They deserve to be to beat Brisbane um, at Suncorp you know, for the second week in a row, you know. So all those sort of motivations come into into play, but it's nothing to do about about what the bogey the bo- or the bogey man says. <laughs> Who wins it then, Mel? Oh, I think the Broncos at home. Yeah, I do, honestly do. I just think that them and Penrith are the one and two for a particular reason. They've been the most consistent all year, um, they're all fresh, ready to go. Uh, everyone's playing. Pappenhausen's playing for Storm, obviously, which is yep. great news for them. Um, yeah, I think it'd be one hell of a game. It'd be fairly entertaining. And, you know, I just feel that the, the Broncos, I think the thing that they've realised through the year, and I, I reckon when they played the Roosters at the Gabba, when they had a really good win against them, their physicality was excellent. And I think they'll come with that type of attitude again, particularly through the middle. If they're aggressive and they're physical against the Storm, but because they've got a pretty good middle as well, their forward pack. Um, and your forward packs sort of, if they can get on top of Storm's forward pack, well, then you nullify the Jerome Hughes and the Cameron Munsters, you know, in their team. So I just feel that with that physicality, um, that young, brash outlook on the way they want to play, I feel that, that the, the Broncos will, you know, prevail. 
Mal Meninga, my guests every Wednesday, all thanks to Chemist Warehouse. Mal, your attention not only on the finals this weekend, but those who aren't playing finals because you've got an Australian squad to pick, or at least a Prime Minister's 13. When do you start doing that? When do you have to name one? And and who is on your radar at the moment? Uh, well, we're currently communicating with teams at the moment around who's available, first and foremost. Obviously, this time of year... Um, there's a lot of injuries off the back of World Cup last year as well. So it's, it's been such a long year. So we're just communicating with clubs at the moment about who is available. Um, we've sent the clubs you know, particular names that, that will be considered. And then uh, we'll get that feedback hopefully soon. And then we'll probably, we'll, we're definitely picking the, the PM's team next week uh, to go up to Papua New Guinea on the third week of September. So they're playing on the 23rd, we are. So yeah, that. So that's all in operation at the moment, mate. So, yeah, we're just communicating with clubs at the moment. Uh, anyone who can give us a sneak peek that's on your radar that you've reached out to? Oh, well, the bottom, the bottom nine uh, clubs, obviously. You know, we're, we're, I know, anyone within those clubs. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, well, I'm, 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 a, I'm a loyalist in a way. You know, yeah. we had a highly successful you know, World Cup last year. So, the, you know, the players that are in the bottom nine, are, uh, they'll, they'll be certainly considered and they'll be in the, the train on squad. You know, people like, you know, obviously Tino, Basil Marley down the down the yeah. coast, John Oda, you know, Josh Odakar, um, you know, Benny Hunt, you know, yeah. Cherry Evans obviously, yeah. Jackie Javovich, all those sort of guys. I know, it's the ones that um, don't fall under that you know you know where I'm going, Mel. Is there a smoky? No. Yeah. No, there's no smokies. No, there, won't, there won't be any smokies in my opinion, you know, for the kangaroos, but I'm just one of a few, you know, selectors. So but I'm I'm of the view that those players that played in the World Cup last year and they're still playing really well, um, they should get uh, first consideration. In my, that's just my opinion, but yep. you know we'll see what happens. Mate, before we let you go, we're nearly up for time. The, 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 a question that I'm asking this morning this is outside of footy. This is, and I know you're big on this. I'm I'm asking. Should it be up to governments to fund sport in this country? It's a very wide-reaching question, uh, and the reason yeah. I ask is for is for a number uh, of reasons. But what role does the government play? And, and I want to put this one to you as well. It's a double-barrelled question. We, we just spoke to Rachel Condos Fields last hour. She is part of an organisation called the Waddle Nest, who is trying to help that link between athletes, elite athletes in that Olympic and Paralympic space, help them with funding, help them connect with the corporate world to to get them through. She put out a proposal that for all professional athletes earning over $250,000 a year, $1,000 from one of those athletes' paychecks goes to into funding the elite level of sports who, who aren't professionals. Uh, one, I know that's just thrown at you. Is that an idea, a concept that has legs? But also, where does sports funding sit in your mind and the role and responsibility of government? Uh, I think the role and responsibility of government is um, to, there's a whole, there's a whole heap of, sh- of um, shareholders and all this, and I believe. I think it's health, education yep. and sport play a really important role in the mental health and physical health of, of all our children. So I believe I believe that all that money should go to those areas. And I just think that, um, you know, sport, education and health should jump in a room and work our way out about how they can combine all their resources, all their financial resources uh, to get, you know, to get kids 
um, active again, but also get kids, you know, from a mental health point of view, yeah, to you know, find solutions for those young kids. Um, I'm not quite sure about a thousand dollars to if you earn over two hundred and fifty thousand. And the only reason I say that is because how much is that? How's that? How much does that provide to other other professional sports who don't get an income, any, any income or salary from their respective organisations? I'm not quite sure what that would achieve. So if it, if it covered. Um, but I'd certainly, if I, if I was playing, uh, I'd certainly donate $1,000 back to um, an organisation that yeah. distributes it fairly. And, and it's more, yeah, and I think money. the onus was on the like the, the governing bodies, the NRLs or, or maybe even the sporting club itself, which, I mean, we know are funded by the governing bodies, whether that comes into uh, a consideration because um, and it's, it's off the back of the Australian Sports Federation report where we, we find that you know, nearly half of our elite athletes who represent Australia in a wide cross-section of sports are, are living below yep. the poverty line. Yep. Um, so, like I said, I've, I've got no, no issues with yeah. it all. So I'm just what I, what I need to understand is that where that money where that money goes to, yeah, and how that how it is distributed. Distributed. Yep. No, that's and who, and, and who get who and who gets it. You know, who gets it. You know. So I just think that I'd have no problems as a professional athlete. To donate a thousand dollars to what I think is a really worthy cause, um, yeah. Uh, but I just you just need to understand a bit more about you know how it is distributed and to who, who it goes to. It's a fair shout, Mel. Thank you because it was a question without notice, something that just popped up in the last half hour on the program. Mate, appreciate your time. We'll look forward to the throwdown tomorrow from midday. Mel Meninga on a Wednesday. All thanks to Chemist Warehouse. Rush into Chemist Warehouse today for half price vitamins and cosmetics. I know it's on Mel's shopping list. T's and C's apply. Twenty six minutes past ten. Host Plus has been named Super Rating Super Fund of the Year for 2023. That's a plus. Issued by Host Plus Proprietary Limited. Check the PDS and TMD at hostplus.com.au. This is Mornings with Ben Davis on SENQ. Now on Mornings with Ben Davis. It's time to track down our Queensland legends with Where Are They Now? It's been a while since we've done this on a Wednesday. Where are they now, Wednesdays? And, yes, this man does fit that legend category. He's an AFL Queensland Hall of Famer, part of the 2003 Brisbane Lions Premiership 20 years ago. And it was this time last week they were having their 20-year reunion. He's just surfaced, which is great. Jamie <laughs> Charman, a very good morning to you. Oh, that's a bit unfair, isn't it? I, I mean, mean, oh, no, that's a fair point, actually. <laughs> I, uh, I, was, I had a very, very sore head. Uh, we probably finished up at the casino with Martin Pike at three o'clock in the morning, uh, with Lynch and a few of the other guys. Things haven't changed since two thousand and three. So it hasn't changed, and the same blokes were there that they were twenty years ago. So uh, no, we had a, an amazing night. It's it's as the years gone on, it's become more special. And and Lee um, Lee Lee talked about this. He said ten year reunions. There's still a lot of egos around, and you know, and and out of that group, even at uh, our ten year reunion. There was still out of 27, 28 guys that won a premiership, there was still 22 involved in AFL and, and yeah. coaching and, um, you know, in admin, administration and things like that. So it's not until we got to the last year, we had a reunion for obviously 2022, uh, 2002 uh, two grand final. And we just had this amazing camaraderie. We uh, stayed at a, in a pub like after the uh, after grand final, day after the grand final. 
And uh, we just had this amazing time and uh, it's just brought us really closer together. Now we're all on a WhatsApp and we all talk pretty regularly and, and send pictures to each other in bits and pieces. But yeah, it, it's, it's become more and more special as time's gone on. We know what a lot of your teammates are doing. And as you said, still in the AFL, Vossi and Craig McRae are, are flying as well, well literally yeah. flying as yeah. far as uh, having their teams in the finals. And, and then there's, um, Chris, Brad, Scott, Nige, uh, Lepa, they're all part yeah. of either assistant Blake coach. Blake Carousella, yeah. Blake Carousella, mm. exactly with Essendon. What, um, mm. what are you doing with yourself now? Yeah, well, I've, I've gone away from football, although I still, uh, I'm still involved with the football club, um, which is, uh, which is great. I get to go to every game and, uh, still involved with, with the club commercially there, um, just part time, but. Look, I've got a uh, residential buyers agency and a property management company. So we buy a lot of residential property within sort of seven K radius from uh, the CBD. Uh, look after a lot of interstaters, frustrated locals who uh, can't find any property. We do a lot of sort of high end property, um, and uh, yeah, it's it's been an amazing ride. I've always loved property. Always worked in you know worked for Ray White when I played footy, and always wanted to uh, open my own real estate company. So. Yeah, now I've uh, got a buyer's agency. We solely look after buyers. And, uh, yeah, it's been a great journey. Well, there you go. If you're looking for a new place to live, Charmo's the man. Hit him up. Right. Out of last <laughs> Wednesday <laughs> night. <laughs> well, you know, we, we, that's what we do with Where Are They Now Wednesdays. But where were you last Wednesday night besides the yeah. casino with the boys? Yeah. I mean, there would have been some great stories flying. Yeah, around. you know what? Look, I, uh, I roomed with a guy called Richard Hadley for uh, seven years and uh, he came across. We were lucky enough to play in the 2003 grand final together. Started at my house and after, you know, early morning, we were just having a chat and we were like, no one changes. Like after, you know, 20 years and 20 years is a long time. Um, no one changes at, at all. Like, you know, like they're the same sort of people. And look, out of that whole group, there's been five senior coaches out of the that, yeah. that, that, that premiership era. And it's amazing, you know, like, you know, I was sitting with Chris and, um, and obviously, uh, Brad, um, Vossi, uh, Lepa and now Craig McRae and Craig, Craig and Craig McRae and Vossi were some really good mates at the football club. I was one of the young ones then. And, uh, obviously they were a little bit older and, but I got to play four years with them. Um, Vossi a little bit longer, uh, probably about seven or eight years. And, uh, look, to see what they've done, especially Craig McRae, it's, it's, yeah. And, and he's the same guy. Like he hasn't changed. Um, he's still super positive. He's still upbeat. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's been really nice to see the transition. We are talking today about teams, individuals, coaches, athletes, wherever it may be, who's under the most pressure this weekend coming into finals, uh, the, the minor premiership, the way flies going, Michael yeah. Voss with Carlton, uh, is it the Lions? Who's yeah. under the most pressure in, in your mind? Yeah, look, I, I think the two teams for me, and probably the Lions especially, you know, they've been they've been almost there every year. Last year it was Geelong. You know, they'd, they'd played pretty much, I think they played in about seven prelims before they actually got to, to play one and win. Um, yeah, so I, I certainly think it's the Lions. Like, it's their time. Anyone can win on the day, and the season has shown that. Um, you know, we've beaten Collingwood twice uh, this year. Uh, and I just look, probably Fags would be feeling a fair bit of pressure to get the team over the line. And, and there's no better time to do it. Like the comp is so even mm. anyone can win this year. And, uh, and then also probably Craig McRae, you know, I, I think there's so much buzz around Collingwood and there's, it, it, there's so many people watching their team because they've been so exciting to watch. Um, and I, th I certainly think probably they're the two coaches that are going to be feeling it the most come finals. 
Speaking of pressure, I want to take you back 20 years ago. There wouldn't have been too much more pressure than Nigel Lappin on yeah. grand final day with, well, actually, no, probably the day before grand final day yeah. when he had to pass a fitness test on busted ribs. Yeah. So he had, he had broken ribs in 2003 and, um, and Lee, there was Aaron Shattuck who was the emergency and Lee got him to go do these one-on-ones just literally after the war, like we'd had the training session we was across at Albert Park, across from the hotel where we were. And then we were all warming down and we were sort of stretching and we were watching Nigel and Aaron Shattuck just have these one-on-ones. All Lee was doing was rolling the ball in the middle and they were just running at each other. And Nigel was picking the ball up and he actually, he actually punched it um, by tackling him really hard. And Lee was just go, go again, harder, go again. And Chatsy's, they're really good mates. So it was a really awkward sort of situation. And he ended up puncturing um, Nigel's lungs. So right up until, uh, like, we're just about to run it. And they were even with the doctors, closed doors. And, you know, they're trying to work out whether he's going to play, whether he could get up. Like, he could hardly breathe. Mm. And uh, anyway, he got out there and, you know, and he had a really good Do you, do you really know all this difference. in the dressing room at the time? Do, do you? Yeah, I think, you know, when you're a bit younger, you're just aware of things a bit more. Um, and you and I just remember having that sort of awkward feeling going, oh, is he going to get up or not? And Aaron was there ready to go, like who'd been tackling the, him the day before. And he was he was there ready to go out. And we only spoke about it Um obviously last week and he was just talking about, it. he said it was really awkward. He said it, it was touch and go. I'm ready to run out. And then Nige said, yep, okay, I'm ready to go. So, and uh, yeah, and that was the difference between him playing a grand final and him not. So, but uh, yeah, it was, it's, there's so many sort of moments like that over, over the few years, you've got to have a little bit of luck go your way. Um, we had an amazing team, but you do have to have some luck to go your way come to, to get to a grand final and to win one. Jamie Charmer, my guest this morning, 2003 grand final. Premiership winner with the Brisbane Lions uh, leading into 2003. We'll get into that crossover in just a tick, but prelim final against the Sydney Swans. You you blokes were in trouble. Yeah, three we were. Qu- Three-quarter time. Yeah, we're down. And, and like everyone had sort of written us off. Um, we'd won two grand finals and obviously we're playing, playing in the prelim against Sydney down there. And, uh, yeah, it was, Lee made this amazing speech at uh, three quarter time. He said, look, good teams win one premiership. He said, great teams win two premierships. He said, if you want to go and make history, uh, if, if you want to play in three, that's when you make history. Let's go out there and make history. And, uh, anyway, we <laughs> the, came, the hairs on my yeah. arm are standing up. And he, uh, and, and he just he had this amazing ability to motivate the group Lee and and he uh, he he pretty much it was funny oh, and I, to, I, I something that I that I totally forgot he he actually whether he was you know like he was amazing motivator but what he said was in going to the three quarter time he said look we're going to get Nige back on we're going to get Vossi back on we're going to get such and such back they were sitting on the bench last quarter so all of us a sudden like we were all sitting there going. All of a sudden, oh, those guys weren't on. Our best players weren't on. Hold on a minute. No wonder we, we can win this. <laughs> and then uh, we end up kicking five, six goals and ended up winning. So, and look, I'd got dropped the year before, just before the grand final. So I was that motivated to play in one. And um, and funny enough, after we won on, on the stadium in Sydney, uh, Fly came up to me, Craig McRae came up to me and uh, and he said, big fella, you're going to the big dance and uh, I always remember that. So it was a very special moment that game and uh, I'll probably, probably play one of the best quarters I've ever played. Yeah. Uh, one man you know really well, the, the career crossover, and we, we see him 
bowing out at the end of the season is, is Daniel Rich. Um, him addressing the team, and you could see the emotion. Well, you clearly see his emotion, yeah. but but the, the team were hanging off every word, and you could yeah. tell that they were feeling it as well. Yeah. Could something like that mm. be a motivator for yeah. for like? Could it be a one percenter coming yeah. into this play? Not playing for Richie, but just yeah. you know. Look, you know, I I certainly think the guys who are sitting, uh, you know, like like Richie, who've who's been a real stalwart for the football club, mm. to see him there in the rooms before the game, you're going out there and playing, and you could be a chance to actually, uh, you know, win a final or, you know, get yourself to a grand final. It is a motivating factor because you do feel for those guys who've been there a long time. And, um, like, I don't know if you've seen it on the, the Lions, um, uh, Lions app, um, and I was watching it last night, his, uh, his interview, mm. uh, like, or him telling the team he's retiring. Yeah. Richie's not an emotional, like he's not, he's an emotional guy, but he's not outwardly emotional, but to see him be like that in front of the group. Um, yeah, I, I, I haven't, like I live with him when he first got drafted and, um, to see him like oh, the that. The young surfer boy from yeah. WA. Yeah. yeah. What was he like? To, 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 well, he's, he, he was just a, he was just a baby. He, you know, like he'd follow me around and, uh, you know, used to, we used to call him Cheese, actually. That was his nickname. Cheese. And uh, Cheese, because he looked like Swiss cheese when he first rolled up with the, you know, with the hair and things like that. <laughs> but he, look, to see him so emotional, it was, it was really special. And to see him outwardly emotional, like he's not particularly that sort of guy. So it was, it was very special. Where does it, where does it all fall for the Lions? Who, who's... Who or where do they need to stand up? I mean, we can talk through midfielders, which yeah. we know that oh, battle. But look, is I, there any one yeah. player that you mm. want to see stand up in September or needs to stand up in September? Yeah, Ben, I, I really think our forward line. I think I, I certainly think the Eric Hipwoods, uh, the Danahers. I, I think those two are keys. You know, you need your big forwards to stand up in finals. Everyone says that. Um, we've always had big forwards stand up in finals. You know, Lindsay, Brownie, Bradshaw. Um, Big guns, and, Bradshaw, and, and, and yeah. they've kicked and they've kicked goals, and you know, like they've kicked goals, and they've they, they've helped us move forward as a footy team. Like those guys have got a lot of pressure on them. Like I, I think Hipwood, especially, and and especially Danaher, they just they need to be kicking goals in front. Like like they've missed a few early, and it and it does when they do miss them straight in front of goal, it does filter through the rest of the team. So the, the first goal is super important for any 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 of those guys who are kicking in front of goal. Mate, it's an absolute pleasure. We're going to be watching it on Saturday night. The only thing that was missing last Wednesday night, just so I think about it, and, you know, holding up a bar with you, which is not really uh, out of place, <laughs> but back in 2003, the only thing that was missing was Tuffy. Yeah. Uh, yeah outside it. of that, it could have been, instead of 2023, it could have been 2003. So we hope it is 2003 repeated. Oh, absolutely. Look, we, we saw Tuffy at every every player's, uh, <laughs> every player's wedding. Yes. So even Craig Bolton, who was uh, down in, in the back blocks of uh, Canberra, he was playing down there. So uh, they had Tuffy. Tuffy. Tuffy pretty much played for that whole premiership team's uh, weddings. We've got a few people here in the studio and just looking around going, who? Tuffy, what? It's like, come on, a Brisbane The guy with the big moustache that exactly. used to play at every pub around Brisbane. Exactly. Mate, so good to catch up and yeah. uh, hear those good stories good. so we can chat all day. But I'm looking at the time and we've actually got to go pay some bills now. So, mate, thank yeah, you for no coming worries. in. And, and, and good luck with the, the property business. And yeah. no doubt we'll be cheering on the lines uh, come 2023 in the next four weeks. Thanks, Benny. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, guys. Jamie Charman, SENQ, on a Wednesday morning. 131355 is the number you need. 
need 11am mayhem coming up. You call, you get on, whatever's on your mind. Host Plus has been named Super Rating Super Fund of the Year for 2023. That's a plus. Issued by Host Plus Proprietary Limited. Check the PDS and TMD at hostplus.com.au. This is Mornings with Ben Davis on SENQ. You almost had me there, Sam. I-, I thought it was going to be Under Pressure again. It's one of those songs you get confused about all the time, isn't it? Under Pressure and Ice Ice Baby. Maybe that's a topic for another week. Songs you get confused of because of or about because of the start. Uh, 13, 13, 55, 11 a.m. mayhem. Oh, we've got an opener for that, don't we? We've got to press a button and something plays. Is that right? Go. On Mornings with Ben Davis, it's your chance to get it off your chest. No sporting topic is off limits. It's the 11am mayhem. Uh, yes, let's rip into it. That really did throw me ice ice, baby. I thought it was under pressure that we're coming into. All right. Speaking of under pressure, which teams, which athletes, which coaches, which officiator, which who, what, where is under pressure coming into the first week of the finals? Let's kick it off. I've had a quick look during the break for some prizes and I found a I found a double, well, not a double, a family pass to the NBL Blitz, which is on this month on the Gold Coast. Let's let's head to our old mate out at Hendra. Jason, happy Wednesday to you, mate. Are you feeling the pressure? No pressure here, Benny. Beautiful, glorious day because it's finals week. Mm. I'm excited. (laughs) Pumped up. <laughs> That's you. I fired up last week. I was happy with his effort. But you know what I wasn't happy with? What? That we went and rested everyone, and so did Melbourne. Yeah. And we got beat. I think we put ourselves under pressure. All because we of that. We can't even beat an understrength side. Yeah, but see, are the, are the the players that are backing up, or the players who played last week, uh, have they got any mental scars from that? Because they know that it was an understrength team. They know it's going to be different this week round. But they also know that Munster and all those boats, Hughes, mm. Solomona, all those guys weren't playing, so they know exactly what they're up against. They're up against a red-hot Melbourne side that are running themselves into form. So I think we should have played. I think we should have got everyone out there and brought ourselves into a bit of form. 13, 13, Actually, no, don't text. This is this is 11 a.m. mayhem. You call, you get on. Does Jason have a point? Now, did I just cut you off there, Jason? Have you got something else? I, oh, well... I've got. I need a bit of advice, a relationship advice, Benny. <laughs> we, I've been. Hang I've on. had previously seen someone, yeah. and then we broke up, right. and I'm now looking at maybe going back to seeing them again. Yeah, the Wallabies. <laughs> oh, okay. The World Cup rolls around, and you're back. Well, I, you know what? I wasn't excited, and the Wallabies really had lost me for the last couple of years. And then just recently, even the loss against France, I saw so much more effort. And then I got excited because the big fella's back, you know, his calf is all right and everything. I thought, oh, you know what? With the big Tong and Thor in there and a couple of other people, you know, we could go all right here. Tate playing well from the, the scrum. I think we might go all right. Wow. But I don't want to get too upset. I don't <laughs> want to get too far involved in this relationship because last time I was hurt. <laughs> Jason, a pleasure as always. The Wallabies, under no pressure, 
or has Jason just put the pressure on them? 13-13-55, we have a clubhouse leader. The NBL Blitz is on this month on the Gold Coast. Uh, Jason is there. Adam has sent this text through. Adam, just want to – this is Adam from Morningside because uh, we do have a few Adams that come into the show. He, he His text, it's 11 a.m. mayhem. You call, you get on. But that's okay. We'll give you a pass this time. He said Ashley Klein is under extreme pressure – to see if he can blow the most penalties for, for the round. Oh, dear. Uh, but also, I think the Lions are, in all seriousness, they've had a lot of years that hasn't gone all uh, and not gone all the way. The perfect chance is this season. That is the theme we're getting so far. Are the Lions under pressure coming into the first week of the finals? Who's under the most pressure? Chris Fagan's talking them up, which is a really sort of non-coaching thing to do, isn't it? They always try and play down their chances to fly under the radar. But he's upfront about it. He's just said, you know, this is our best chance. The ladder doesn't lie. 17 wins for the season. They haven't done that since 2001, 2002. And we know how that ended up. 13, 13, 55, 0467, 736, 736. Texts are coming through. Look, I know it's a tough time of the day to actually uh, make those calls, 11 a.m. mayhem, but if you call, you get on. Um, Pat has said, hey, Ben, instead of sportsmen and women that earn 250K a year donating $1,000, the government should put a tax on all the billionaires in our country, say $10 million a year, to throw into health and sport and other things. Slippery slope we're going on there, Pat. But a rich tax, it's kind of what it is, right? Would that solve the problem? Uh, if you missed the show a little bit earlier, if you're just joining us today, we are talking about sports funding on the back of, well, a couple of stories where funding has been slashed, where we're finding that some of our elite athletes, not professional, but our elite athletes, our Olympians, our Paralympians, many of them are living below the poverty line. Many are suffering financial stress. Many are suffering uh, mental health stress because of that those finances and are considering quitting the sport. I had Rachel Condos-Fields, who's the co-founder of The Wattle Nest. She has been at this for the best part of 12 months, trying to connect athletes with corporate Australia to, to help them not only thrive, but to help them survive and she came up with an idea to help out our athletes have a listen yeah, I don't want to be controversial, but government are part of the problem, but also part of the solution. And I think it's hard when everyone in Australia has got their hand out for different reasons. So I don't think it's solely on the government to solve. I think it's time for corporate Australian and Australians to invest. But I want to throw out an, a concept and an idea that I'd love to see get off the ground. Here we go. Okay. If you look at professional sport, we know that um, that it's not uncommon for a professional footballer to receive a minimum salary of $250,000. So I'm putting it out to every professional sport club out there. If you've got someone on your books earning more than $250,000 a year playing sport, give us $1,000 of that. And that alone is going to make a huge difference to our, a difference to our athletes chasing their Olympic dreams. Just $1,000 from every professional playing AFL, NRL, whatever the case may be. If their salary is over $250,000, let's make their salary $1,000 less and pop it into the waddle nest. Well, there we go. That's where Pat was coming from with his texts. Is that a good idea? Or are you okay with your taxes? Because it's your money. When the government spends or funds something, it's your money, your funding and spending. Are you okay with it going towards funding sport in this state and in this country? 
I don't have an issue with it, but they don't and shouldn't be responsible for the full funding of it, should they? Rachel's concept, I think, is an absolute ripper. So is what they're doing in the UK. I know, shock horror, looking at the old enemy of how to do it in sport. Yet the way they fund sport in that country is amazing. It's around lotto, lottery. The National Lottery has been funding sport in the UK uh, well, well before the London Olympics. And we saw how well the host nation did in those games. We're about to be a host nation in games in under a decade. We need to start investing in sport and, and maybe the lotto is a way to go. A national lottery funding sport. Would, would, I mean, you'd buy a ticket, wouldn't you? Powerball, scratchies, gold lotto, you do it now. And I know a lot of those proceeds go to funding different community organisations, medical research, but what about putting one aside especially for sport? 131355 0467 736 736 at 11am mayhem. Jason, clubhouse leader, as I said, the NBL family pass to the NBL Blitz. So we're talking the pre-season competition. It's going to be on the Gold Coast in our backyard. School holidays coming up, going down the Gold Coast, give the kids something to do. Yeah, outstanding stuff. Look, we've got some breaking news coming out of the world of cricket. And actually just thinking about Rachel's idea. I mean, she mentioned professional football because we're right into footy season. But this would come across in the world of cricket too. Yeah, I would have thought so. Um, National selectors have just named our 15-man World Cup squad for the one-day World Cup in India. It's a 15-man provisional squad. Uh, the big takeout for me is no Manus Lavashane. We, we know he's been on the outer as far as the one-day squads are concerned, even though he's joined up with the team in South Africa uh, to play in this series, which is starting Thursday night. Sean Abbott has been named. He's been, uh, he's earned a maiden World Cup berth, uh, but one that doesn't include Manus Labuschagne, as I said. So a 15-man squad. Here we go. Pat Cummins as captain. Sean Abbott, Ashton Agar, this is in alphabetical order, Alex Carey, Cameron Green, Josh Hazelwood, Travis Head, Josh Inglis, Mitch Marsh, Glenn Maxwell, Stephen Smith, Mitchell Stark, Marcus Stoinis, David Warner, and Adam Zampa. So we've got a lot of all-rounders, haven't we? Cameron Green, uh, Mitch Marsh, Stoinis. Do you chuck Maxwell and Agar in there as the all-rounders? And Sean Abbott, I guess, classes himself as an all-rounder now as well. So who's missed out? Oh, Tanvir Sanger? He burst on the scene, didn't he, in the with the white ball just in South Africa over the last week. He misses out. No minus lava, Shane. Uh, and again, this is only a provisional squad, a 15-man squad, so it, it, it could change. Um, who else? Oh, no, Tim David. Maybe just a T20 specialist. No Spencer Johnson. I'm just trying to think who else is on that tour. So, yeah, a few changes for the Australian team, but uh, the big takeaway, no minus lava, Shane. Uh, when you have a look at his one-day average since the start of last year, uh, he has dropped down a bit. I think he averages just under 25. I'll get a check on that, but I'm sure that was a stat that I uh, read uh, in the last week. Um, he, he could he could get a late call-up through injury. We, we know that. We hope no one gets injured along the way, but this is just a provisional squad. 
Uh, yeah, here we go. Uh, Lava Shane averaging 24.9 over the last year. So he just hasn't stood up with the bat. Marnus, he does get a chance in South Africa, but that is that breaking news of 15-man squad named for the Indian World Cup, which is happening later this month. But coming up in the next couple of days is our one-day series against South Africa. A nice little warm-up there. 13-13-55 uh, is the number you need uh, on the text line, 0467 736 736. Um, this hour, we're going to get an update from Flushing Meadows. It's the oh, some quarterfinal action coming up too. Uh, one thing that I have seen is the Joker. A record equaling 47th straight Grand Slam, uh, not straight, but 47th Grand Slam semi. Uh, Brett Phillips will give us all the action. We'll talk some NRLW and yeah, Greyhound racing as well. As I said, if it's in Queensland and it has anything to do with sport, we've got it here covered. 13, 13, 55, 0467, 736, 736. The two big takeaways today, the two big questions, should government be funding sport in this city, in this state, in this country? And if not, who should? And who's under the most pressure heading into this weekend? Host Plus has been named Super Rating Super Fund of the Year for 2023. That's a plus. Issued by Host Plus Proprietary Limited. Check the PDS and TMD at hostplus.com.au. This is Mornings with Ben Davis on SENQ. 21 minutes past 11. Thank you for your company. Uh, one thing that took my interest this morning was Patton Heels having a chat to Shane Webke, who I get to do on a daily basis, which is uh, one of the luxuries of, of what I do at, at Channel 7. But uh, we did send him down yesterday to speak to Payne Haas, among other Broncos down there, for their media day at Suncorp Stadium. And you'll see that story tonight on 7 News. But Webby gave a little snippet of what, well, I guess the the premier prop of the Brisbane Broncos and their premiership era said to, well, Webby 2.0 in Payne Haas yesterday. I had a good yarn, yarn to Payne Haas and it was interesting talking to him because I really get the idea that he, that he understands what, what, it, what it needs to be. And I sort of said to him, I said, mate, all the games you're in front of you t- to the grand final are going to be won in your forward pack. And I said, mate, and you're going to be the one who leads it. And I said, um, you know, and this is the only advice that I would give in particular to the forwards is that um, it has to be a case of, okay, when we get the ball, everyone wants to run the ball, but where you've got to be resolute is in defence. And you have got to have the mentality that, you know what, these blokes forget about how hard they come, they're not coming through us. Great advice, isn't it? From the man who's been there and done it before, four premierships for Shane Webke. And the last time the Melbourne Storm beat the, or sorry, the Broncos beat the Melbourne Storm in a finals was that 2006 grand final. So a man who's been and done it all before, talking to the man who it rests on his shoulders, doesn't it? As a forward leader, uh, I cannot wait to see that story tonight on 7 News. Webby and Payne Haas, uh, the, I guess the master and the apprentice, if you like, uh, 2.0, Shane Webby, whatever you may want to call it. It's fascinating insight into what it takes to be a front rower in the Premier competition with the Premier team and when you have premierships on the line. 13, 13, 55, 0467, 736, 736. Uh, When it comes to pressure, the theme I'm getting from you this morning is the team under the most pressure is the Brisbane Lions heading into this weekend. Just just where they sit, 
just with the time that they've spent in prelims, the times that they've spent, well, when it comes to playing finals, they are the most experienced finals team left in the AFL, in, in the top eight. Chris Fagan has said the numbers don't lie. Where we finished on the ladder, how many wins we've had this season, we are in the sweet spot. And one man who's been controlling that destiny is one of their best players. He's a Brownlow medalist. He's a co-captain and Lockie Neal. There is a theory. The Gold Coast did it. There is a theory. You shut down Lockie Neal. You shut down the Lions. It was put to him yesterday. And this was his bristly response. Teams or media say that um, if you shut me down, Brisbane are going to lose. Um, I feel like as well, I get attention most weeks and when I perform badly, um, it gets reflected that way, whereas nothing gets said when we do well as a team or I go all right. So I feel like I'm ready for anything. Um, I've dealt with it for a long time now. So um, you have those days where you're a bit off, which I was against Gold Coast. But yeah, I feel like I'm ready for whatever teams throw at me and, and at us. I've had games where I've been down and been tagged and we've won by 10 goals. So confident in, in whatever happens. Yeah, there we go. You want a confident Lockie Neal, don't you? And you want a fresh and fit Lockie Neal. Chris Fagan let us know uh, after the St Kilda game that, that Lockie had been carrying an injury. Uh, or was it the Collingwood game? Either way, it was late in the season. And he did say that, that, that Lockie had been carrying an injury. He'd been pushing through. He'd been playing on. And he'd really only been able to train fully just in those last couple of weeks, if not the last week of the home and away season. So it's the week off has actually done Lockie Neal and you'd have to think the Lions, the world of good. He's fit, he's fresh, and he's ready for whatever Port Adelaide throw at him. And, and you know Port are going to come at the midfield. Uh, they, do they have taggers? No, but they have a lot of strong bodies. They have a lot of, they have a lot of midfield power. That They run their own race. In fact, they've got three All-Australians, Port Adelaide, Yet the Lions only have one in Charlie Cameron. It was a snub. Is that something they use as motivation? Is it something that they can carry a chip on the shoulder heading into these finals? Well, Lockie Neal had his thoughts on that too. To finish second on the ladder, only have one All-Australian. I think it's actually a positive. It just shows how even the contribution's been um, this year. Uh, I feel like as a midfield group as well, uh, I think we were number one in clearances for the year. So we feel like we're doing a lot of things right. Um, I know I've played my part in that and um, so have a lot of others that, that roll through there. So that's all part of it. I feel like uh, I've been around long enough to not let those decisions and accolades affect um, go, me going forward and my mindset and things like that. Well, there we go. So, Lockie Neal, uh, he said he's got the receipts too of uh, coming into a uh, final series without the wins they would have liked. Uh, nine finals for the Brisbane Lions in the Chris Fagan era uh, with only three wins and two of them coming last year. So, this is their time. Yes, they're under pressure. But to me, it feels like they are embracing that. The coach certainly is. And they are going in with extra motivation. We've heard from Jamie Charman. In fact, we heard from Dean Solomon yesterday about the Daniel Rich decision to stand down, uh, to stand out at the end of the season. That will be a one percenter. Marcus Adams retiring, forced into retirement during to due to concussion. That is a one percenter. So yeah, they're under a hell of a lot of pressure. 
but it seems to me that the Lions are embracing it. Port Adelaide this Saturday night at the Gabba. Uh, the, the Lions have actually just sent a note through that new tickets have been released for that match. If you are looking for tickets, it had been sold out or at least the allocation exhausted. You know, it goes to members and then it goes to Gabba. Some of those tickets have been handed back. I think now if you want to jump on and try and get Lions tickets to the Gabba Saturday night, there are some up and about ready to roll. So I jump online and try and get those to be part of a big, big weekend of sport here in Brizzy. 131355 0467736736. Uh, speaking of a massive weekend in Brisbane, uh, let's bring in Luke Gatehouse from Brisbane Greyhound. Uh, Luke, good morning to you. Um, you've got a well, you've got a big uh, program about to ro- roll out as far as the Greyhound adoption program. Yeah, we certainly have, and I think you've just broken the internet there, Benny, with uh, people logging into the Lions website for, uh, <laughs> for tickets. There's some cracking tickets available too. Uh, I won't give it away because I might try and get a couple after I get off with you. So, uh, yeah, adoption days. We're holding these here at Albion Park. We call them the Homeward Hounds Days. We're, we're doing them on the third Saturday of every month uh, from 10am through to 1pm, and we do that alongside our Greyhound Adoption Program in Queensland. And... You know, you can walk on in, you fall in love with a greyhound and you can take one home on the day should you uh, match up nicely with that dog. Okay, so how, how what's the process and is there a cost involved? Yeah, look, it's the cheapest dog you'll ever get in your life. Uh, you get a, a purebred greyhound uh, that's finished its racing career. Uh, they're probably the lowest veterinary cost animal you can get out of any dog breed. Uh so they're $100, but you get collars, leads, ongoing support. They come de-sex, vaccinated and worm prior to adoption. So they're, they're basically the perfect pet ready to go. You don't have any of those puppy issues that you have with small pups because generally they're a couple of years old, uh, up to five or six years old. And, uh, yeah, just wonderful pets. And, you know, if you've never been up close and personal to a greyhound before, this, this gives you a chance right in the middle of town to uh, come, and, come and meet them. Oh, that's outstanding stuff. Now, the third Saturday of every month, so hang on, let me do my sums. That's that's next weekend. It is. Next 16th. Saturday, the 16th. Yeah, there we go. Fantastic yep. stuff. Oh, brilliant. All right, I'm marking that down in the calendar. It's going to be a big day. Hey, well done, mate. We will talk to you soon. Luke Gatehouse from Brisbane Greyhounds. Uh, of course, you can uh, – well, you're going to let him go because he wants to jump onto the Lions website. But Brisbane Greyhound Racing Club, you can visit brisgreyhounds.com for all function and event information. Uh, half past 11, let's get a news hit with Vanessa. Host Plus has been named Super Rating Super Fund of the Year for 2023. That's a plus. Issued by Host Plus Proprietary Limited. Check the PDS and TMD at hostplus.com.au. This is Mornings with Ben Davis on SENQ. Ah, yeah, we are dreaming on indeed because it is that time of year, not only footy finals, but we are in World Cup season as well. Rugby World Cup kicking off this week and and Cricket World Cup squads have just been named, that 15-man squad. 
Uh, what are we now? 11.39 this Wednesday morning, 25 degrees, looking at the top of 27. Storms more on the way? Oh, I don't know. They were absolute rippers overnight as well. Speaking of storms, oh, the Melbourne storm rolling into town Friday night. They know what to expect at Suncorp Stadium. It's going to be loud. It's going to be noisy. And, and they actually tried to replicate that at training yesterday down in Melbourne at Amy Park. The boys were saying last week in that game it was very loud as well. Um, we couldn't really hear each other, so we had the um, crowd noise playing on the speakers at Amy here today, so trying to replicate that, that noise come Friday night, but yeah, it's always always good atmosphere up there in um, some court. For myself personally, going into stadiums like that, you get a lot of adrenaline with the crowd and, and the atmosphere going into it, so I think that can help you as well. It also can hurt you at the same time if you let it um, get the best of you, but you know we're trying to preparing the best we can this week to make sure that doesn't affect us. Yeah, there we go. And Nick Meany from the Melbourne Storm. He's got to be under a bit of pressure too, looking over his shoulder. Ryan Pappenhausen, uh, back and playing. Uh, but he is uh, not at this stage, uh, forcing his way back into the run-on team. Uh, look, speaking of pressure, who is under the most pressure this weekend? We've been hearing about the minor premiership and the pressure that brings. What about Penrith? What about Collingwood? Yeah, the pressure of the minor premiership, the, the pressure of finishing first. We've won 18 games, so you can't deny that. 18 games in this tough 24-round competition. The first time it's been 24 rounds and it's a, it's a marathon and the bumps and bruises, the losses and the resilience to get up and go again. And, um, yeah, the challenges from the opposition taking things away from it. This is a tough competition and it's so even. There's small margins, you, you know, you, you see every game. We, we, you know, we know it's small margins. Um, there's no, there's not, not a massive gap between us and others. We know that. But to qualify um, in this position, we're, we're absolutely we're, we're proud of our efforts. Yeah, Craig McRae, the Collingwood coach, so they're embracing the pressure that comes with the minor premiership. They're celebrating that. That was after securing it against the uh, against the the Bombers last weekend. They've had a week to think about it. They've had a week to prepare. What Collingwood team is going to be turning up in, in the finals? That's the big issue. Uh, the last month's been hot and cold. They've had a lot of injuries. Luke Hodge, I know, this morning with Patton Heels said that for him, it's Melbourne as the favourites and the Brisbane Lions very close behind. 13-13-55-0467-736-736. Keep the text coming through. Uh, I believe we're having an issue with the phone lines. Never any good when you're doing a talkback radio program, but we're going to get them sorted over before midday today. Um, one thing that we know when the Broncos hit the park against the Storm on Friday night at Suncorp Stadium, there is going to be a battle up front which will decide who will take out the game. It's pretty simple. Rugby league is a simple game. It's one up front. I know Paddy Welsh, after his shift yesterday, he was working overtime. He went down to Suncorp Stadium and caught up with the Broncos' best player. Yeah, that's right. He has been for the last four years. I'm talking about none other than Payne Huss. He is the pack leader. It's where... The buck stops with him in the front row. Payne, this is pretty exciting, isn't it, as the club? It's, it's been a little while. Yeah, it's been since 2019, and we got uh, pumped that game. So, um, yeah, looking to make a good memory this Friday. So, yeah. I said to Herbie, what's the feeling within the camp? Is there a little bit of trepidation coming to finals, or are you excited? No, we're excited. Um, obviously, most of us um, 
yeah, we haven't played really big finals games and um, obviously the last few years haven't been good. But yeah, just to be here now, I'm real excited and uh, ready to take this opportunity with both hands. I heard you just answer a couple of questions about Kevy. He's been important in this. He's such a, I don't know, passionate, isn't he? He's a passionate guy. Yeah, he's passionate and cares about his players. So um, yeah, obviously he puts that passion onto us and you know he loves his jersey and um, we love it too. So uh, we don't want to let this jersey down or him this week and yeah. We saw him get emotional when you re-signed. I mean, you must love that, to have that from your coach. Yeah, me and uh, Kevy's pretty close, so, um, yeah, to see that, uh, yeah, it was pretty cool and, yeah, pretty special. But Kevy always cares about me and um, he's looked after me these last few years and always been there for me when I need it, so, uh, yeah. We've seen wooden spoons, we've seen, you know, collapses and things like that. What's different now to this Broncos team to the ones of previous years? Yeah, we've matured. Um, Obviously, we've had a few rough years, and last year we should have been here, but uh, we dropped off at that back end of the year. But um, yeah, we've worked really hard this preseason to get um, get us mentally right for this moment, and I'm um, just looking to go, um, you know, take this opportunity. So yeah, you probably don't need reminding, but your record against Melbourne as a team isn't great. Yeah, it's not great, and uh, yeah, obviously we've got to change that this week and yeah, break that um, streak what they've got on us. So um, we know how big this game is and how important it is for us as a club and. Um, yeah. Standing not too far away from us is a guy like Shane Webke. Props and good forwards win big matches, don't they? Yeah, they do. And obviously it starts from us in the middle and, you know, not just myself, but Fleggy and Paddy, we've got to start this off. And, um, yeah, if we can get forward and create momentum and defend well, um, we're going to go a long way to win this game. So, yeah. Just quickly, offloads. They've been a pretty important part of your game and Paddy's game this year, particularly as the defences get a bit weary. Yeah, obviously, um, well, We've both worked hard, me and Paddy, um, since he's been back in June. Um, worked hard on our offloads and trying to create that second phase footy. You know, um, it's pretty hard to defend that um, a good offload. So, um, especially with um, Storm's defence, they're pretty systematic. So, uh, we're going to get offloads and break them down a bit. So, yeah. And just finally, how's your mood? I mean, are you once you've decided on what you've done with your future, are you a happier man? Yeah, I've, I've been happy all year. Um, you know, obviously there's always going to be media reports about my contract and all that, but um, yeah, it wasn't really a distraction to me. Um, I was just focused on playing footy and enjoying my mates. So uh, I just let all my agents and all that do that and Broncos sort that out and they did that and just happy to get that done. But yeah. Play well. Thank you. Yeah, there we go. Payne Haas speaking to Paddy Welsh uh, late yesterday. Um, does that sound like a man under pressure? It doesn't. Yet he has got the weight of the Broncos forward pack and the weight of the Melbourne Storm forward pack coming straight at him on, on his shoulders. I like the sound of that, don't you? Relaxed, calm, coming into one of the biggest games that he would have played in his career outside of State of Origin and Test matches. Maybe because it is the Broncos, maybe because it is his home base, maybe because it is the club that is his bread and butter. It has and holds more pressure than any of those matches. 13, 13, 55, 0467, 736, 736. Jason has sent a text through um, about pressure. He said, Ben, have you heard Matty Johns talk about hosting Manly for Mad Monday at his place? Obviously, the young fella plays for Manly. He had him back there. Uh, Jason has said, what about the pressure he's under from Trish at home after doing that? (laughs) Jace, we have found... Matty John's talking about that. He, he was he was speaking to Matty White yesterday about it. Have a listen. 
I'm a little bit tired this morning. Yes. I, uh, uh, the Manly Warringah Seagulls uh, had their uh, presentation night apparently last night, their mm. awards night. At about four o'clock, I could hear this bass. Uh. Boom, 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 coming out of my garage. And I thought, what the hell is that? I need to go down and find half of the Manly Club, basically, <laughs> in my garage. Is that right? And my old mate Jimmy Dimmick was there, and I found myself sitting down having a beer at 4 a.m. in oh. the morning, just, just having one with the boys and then going back to bed. Yeah. But, uh, is there anything worse than having a football side in your garage? <laughs> <laughs> Particularly one that doesn't make the finals. I mean... Come, I said to Cooper, come on, mate. It, 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 it at least could have been, you know, the Broncos or the Storm, but why Manly? <laughs> oh, dear. What about what about the drive-by from Dad on Cooper, John, saying he could have been playing for someone else? Why Manly? Oh, dear. Bit of pressure, you don't think? Actually, maybe it wasn't Matty under pressure uh, from Trish. Maybe it's Cooper under pressure from the old man. Oh, look, uh, on that note, at 11.48, I'm going to take a quick break. We're going to try and reboot the phone system. Uh, if we can't, I'll bring you all the latest from Flushing Meadows on the other side of this. Host Plus has been named Super Rating Super Fund of the Year for 2023. That's a plus. Issued by Host Plus Proprietary Limited. Check the PDS and TMD at hostplus.com.au. This is Mornings with Ben Davis on SENQ. <laughs> Uh, yes, thank you, gents. We are going to bring it on home indeed. Slam and Sam out doing yourself. But before we do that, though, it was this time 24 hours ago I was telling you about a, a high-speed crash at a Queensland raceway involving SVG and his Camaro, the Red Bull Racing number 97. Um, we found out as the day progressed that he lost brakes oh, coming into turn six. But the, the, the skill of Shane Van Gisbergen, if you ever had a doubt about how good a driver he is, I mean, how could you not? He can jump in anything with wheels and basically win it, be it rally cars, be it NAS cars, be it supercars. He jumps in at Le Mans and gives that a red-hot crack as well. But when you're going into a flat spin out to sea at high pace and still able to save it and save it well, save it so much that, well, actually... Here's Mark Dutton, the chief engineer of Triple Eight and Red Bull Racing, about how SVG handled yesterday's moment. So literally no front brakes. Um, tries to slow it down, does a 360 through the gravel, washing off as much speed as he can, and then managed to put it in perfectly square. So um, that's a big deal because that means the, the force of the impact is shared equally on the car. So that, that's why we've been able to fix it. The car has... has performed magnificently we uh, we actually didn't think we would be able to get it back out when we saw how how deep it was buried in in the tires outstanding stuff look it, it may have been mm, a bit of luck involved indeed and thank goodness that svg was able to walk away but the fact that he got it into the wall and hit it square i mean it could have ended up anyway it could have taken a corner off it, it could have hit side on but the fact he hit it square and as you heard it, it just transferred the impact and made it sort of take on the whole car that that's why they took it off the flatbed at the garage at the pits at queensland raceway and, and got to work to fix it and then got it back on track 
Now, instead of taking it all the way out back out to Banyo and trying to straighten it out and get things sorted, the team was able to do a well a relatively quick turnaround, and that just is so valuable when it comes to um, uh, to testing days. So they haven't lost as much time as they could have. Uh, th- I was about to give you the phone number, 13, 13 55, but I have been told, informed, this is a network-wide outage. So uh, maybe your mobile phones aren't working anywhere as making calls, but you know the best thing about your mobile? The smartphones? The apps. Oh, yeah, we love apps, don't we? Whether it's Android or whether it's an iPhone, you can head to Google Play or the Google Store uh, and the App Store. Download the SEN app for all your latest content from all the shows across the entire network. Not only this one, uh, Breakfast with Patton Heels. You've got The Captain's Run uh, with Cameron Smith, Danny Kemp. Uh, you've got The Run Home with Joel and Fletch. You've got Sats and The Rat as well on Sports Day. Anything you've missed, any podcasts, any interviews, download it on the app and it's all there. It's brilliant stuff. It's where you can hear most of the uh, games this weekend as well. Uh, SENQ, 6.93am. We'll be uh, having the Broncos and Storm live from Suncorp Stadium. Six o'clock Friday, our coverage kicks off. Speaking of Sats and the Rat, they'll be calling that along with Drury Forbes. And then on Saturday as well, what a weekend it's going to be. 24 hours of power here in Brisbane. We have the Lions and Port Power going head-to-head in that qualifying final at the Gabba. Cannot wait for that. 6.15 SENQ's coverage starts. That is on air and on the app. So download it now. It's the best place to listen. Uh, What's Peach said? We've got the text back up working. That's a start. He said, oi, enough of the manly bashing. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. No, no, Peach, don't get me wrong. It's not manly bashing. It's just how everyone deals with manly, right? Yeah, every villain needs a hero. Uh, And Oscar, uh, SVG lost his brakes. Where did he put them? <laughs> it's not Dad Joke Friday, is it? No. Yeah, coming, coming through. Uh, it's 11.58 this Wednesday morning. Thank you for your company. It's been an absolute hoot over the last three hours. Uh, if you did miss any of it, in all seriousness, download the app. Jamie Charman was an absolute peach to listen to. Mal Meninga had his thoughts on the finals and who's under more pressure. But the big takeaway for me today was the wattle nest. Rachel Condos Fields. It's a fantastic interview to listen to on the plight of Australian athletes, elite athletes, not professional, elite athletes, and what they're facing on a day to day basis to try and represent you, me, our country, the green and gold. It's brilliant stuff. It's what they go through on a daily basis and how hard it is for them to earn a living. They've got to thrive and they've got to survive. Download it on the SEN app right now. Um, I'm going to hand it over to, oh, it's Cameron Smith and Dan and Kemp. The captain's run this time on a Wednesday. Great stuff. Good luck to all the teams, but most importantly, the Brisbane teams. When it comes to the finals, we'll dissect it all next Tuesday from 9. We have been doing it today all thanks to Maccas. That's right, supporting grassroots sports here in Queensland with their Little Legends program. Until next Tuesday, good luck. Good hunting. Oh!